Mark? Hi, everybody. Um, I don't know what you were expecting after that introduction. Some tall, lean, sort of massive-built guy. I'm just old. Um, that's the easiest way to describe it, and I have celebrated just amazing things over my life. And I was honored when I was asked if I would, uh, on behalf of the board, so to speak, uh, come and share some thoughts with you from First John. So uh, you've been in that book for a while, right? So um, it's like a bunch of weeks and a bunch of different speakers and all that. And I kept going, okay, so where do we go and what do we do and how does that make it work? Which is sort of like the question with the control device. So I think it's the big green with the black buttons. Perfect. Okay, so I need to go back now. What do I do? Perfect. So the big question for me, uh, thanks very much, this is an achievement for an old guy. Um, anytime I can beat the technical stuff, I feel good about the day. Um, so my whole question sort of centers around this somewhat simplistic question, but way deeper than sometimes we want to give time to, and that is, where does love come from? And so I, I started with all of that, and we're going to take a strange journey uh, to finally come up with what I think are John's decisions and suggestions about, so where does love come from? So some of you, I went the wrong, okay, I'm going backwards again. There, thanks very much. So some of you are way, way, way too young to remember the atomic era when the United States and Russia and all kinds of places were blowing up nuclear bombs everywhere. It was a test to see how powerful they could be. The uh, Second World War ended because two atomic bombs were dropped in Japan. And this massive power that was created uh, for all kinds of purposes, and this is just one of those images of... Um, uh, the uh, atoll, which is a small little nowhere island, um, exploding and the bomb just mushrooming up. It was like just this demonstration of incredible power. And um, uh, so I, I got struck with this question that in the midst of mankind's brilliance to create amazing things, there lies the potential to create unimaginable pain and suffering, death, and destruction. Like... Who thought it would be a good idea to create one of those, right? Like, can your mind not be used for something more effective? And what generates that kind of activity? And then I came up with this other kind of questions. How angry or hurt or jealous or bitter or afraid or prejudiced would you have to be before you would kill someone? Or at least wish they were dead, right? How, how like... It could happen to all of us, any of us. Like, that's this, this weird thing that's going on up in the gray matter. Like, one minute I can be this lovely, lovely, lovely person, and the next minute, because of all, something weird happens, and we're ready to kill our sister or our brother, right? We're ready to sort of kick them out of the bed, at least, or do something nasty to them. And so this is all sort of in there. And so then I got thinking about other things and about racial prejudice, and so I was doing some googly things and found this uh, great thing from the Church of God Convention and General Assembly in Orlando in July 2019. And so it, it, there was some commentary in there, and it went like this. First-timers expressed their joy and affirmation for the diversity so evident, for the seamless harmony of a people, neither slave nor free, male nor female, Jew nor Gentile, but one in Christ. Isn't that a great line? I think some guy in the Old Testament, New Testament rather, wrote something about 
you know, no Jew, no Greek, no male. Sadly, this beautiful portrait uh, was not appreciated by all present. More than one heartbroken member of the General Assembly approached me at its close to express dismay that they were seated in proximity to some who, while voting for the assembly's ballot, said out loud. Remember, this is a bunch of Jesus people, all gathered for their denominational national network of of meetings and celebration of who God is and the diversity of all of those great things. And they heard this. Don't vote for that one. We have enough blacks up front. Some even heard the N-word in play. Like, how, how does that happen? How is it that we can be so united and still in the amongst of us, amongst believers, we're so hateful like that? Hate is one of those things that fills humanity. You don't have to go very far to find demonstrations of hatred. Uh, the indigenous population in Canada would be a victimized community of people who in the efforts of one race attacking another. Or in Rwanda and the close to a million people that were killed over a hundred days in a country that at one time had identified itself as being almost 98% Christian. And at the, like at, a, at the turn of a switch, they're treating people like cockroaches and locusts and, and mutilating people. Like, how is that possible? Um, the Jews and Samaritans, they were a group that got along really well. We're going to talk about them in just a couple of minutes. Um, blacks and colored or women. How is it that such inhumanity can happen towards people that are like us, except for maybe 8 or 9%? We share so much more in common, so much more, and yet we're able to hate them so easily. I am not amazed that there is so much evil in the world, quite frankly. I am amazed that there is so much good in the world. The survivalist mentality that's woven into our DNA has created a a, a terrible ability to brutalize people. It's, It's the survivalist. And for the evolutionist, I would love to have the conversation about where did the good come from? Where did compassion, where did tenderness, where did kindness, like where where did mercy come from? Where did justice come from? Where? Where did love come from? When we see the opposite demonstrated so readily, so frequently. Um, I was here when um, Phil um, Calloway spoke. And um, evil shows up really early uh, in the Bible, like as in really early. And he made the comment about, yeah, homeschoolers. Right, Because there was only Adam and Eve and a couple of boys and somebody had to be doing the teaching, which is like in homeschool. So I just grabbed onto that line, homeschooler commits murder. Right? It's like, so think about that. Um, sort of, it fits. Not like how we perceive homeschoolers and I'm grateful we've got family using homeschooling that's fabulous. Trouble in the garden, unruly brothers and Cain kills Abel. Great headlines, right? From the first family. Um, So let's take a look at a New Testament event. In Luke 9, when the days were approaching for Jesus' ascension, he was determined to go to Jerusalem, which is the celebration of the Easter celebration in Advent, or Lent. Uh, Whatever it is, I don't know. 
And, and so anyway, Jesus is on his way to Jerusalem. He sends messengers on ahead of him. And they went and entered a village of the Samaritans to make arrangements for him. So it was one of those things that, so here's the reality. I only have time to explain. So let me sum up. So the boys are uh, having a conversation with Jesus. Jesus sends them into town. They go into the town of Samaria. And here's what happens. Uh, the Samaritans did not receive him. Because he was traveling toward Jerusalem. There's lots we don't have time to go into. I'm summing up. When his disciples James and John saw this, they said, Lord, do you want us to command fire to come down from heaven and consume them? Like, let's nuke them. (laughs) Right? Call down fire from heaven, like out of Elijah. We're going to nuke them. Um, Another phrase would be, Kill them all. That's from a great TV series. We're going to kill them all. Another option would be take them to the train station. And only some of you, depending upon your choices about entertainment, would know what that means. So, um, this, this whole issue of what creates this kind of hatred. What was there for James and John to go, yeah, let's nuke them. Like, I'm going, you just spent all, like almost three years with Jesus, and this is the, your response to the neighbors? It's like, you're kidding me. So Jesus turns to him and he says, but he turned and rebuked them and said, you don't know what kind of spirit you are of. There's an important line there. For the Son of Man did not come to destroy men's lives, but to save them. And they went on to another village. Um, I couldn't find a picture that had all of our family in, but this was our family. I got the date wrong. It's actually 2001. And the guy in the orange shirt on the right-hand side, that's me. So that's the big me, and now you get to see the little me. And that's going to make some sense for you. Um, And then I found this great quote, and this is where we're going to be going to 1 John 4, 7 to 16. That's my text for this morning. Family, where life begins and love never ends ends. That's a lie. (laughs) Sort of, depending upon the family that you're in, right? If you're in the family of the young boy who ambushed two police officers and had earlier stabbed his mother, I don't think you would say that love never ends. I'm not even sure love ever showed up. It's hard to say. It's not my place to make a judgment call on that. But I want you to think about your families and some of the families that you know. Is that the truth statement for them? That's a hard statement to actually believe. Universally. Far too many that have been abused and hurt. Too many relationships that have been severed. Because love somehow got beat out of somebody, or circumstances became so difficult that all kinds of hard, hard decisions had to be made. But um, me being from the early 70s as well, the great love-in, which is one of the phrases that they used to have, let's go have a love-in, which wasn't necessarily relational, but a little bit more physical, maybe. Um, So anyway, that's my family. That's some of them. And um, uh, I I wanted to to, to introduce this because 
John is saying, love never ends in God's family. But it gets so hard to express. So we're going to take a look at where does love come from. Uh, Dear friends, let us love one another, for love comes from God. And everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. Whoever does not love does not know God, because God is love. So here's the first thing. For those who love to make notes, obviously you're tired of making notes. I've already been in class for a bunch of hours. So here's the first thing. Love, where does it come from? Love, I believe, has an originator. That's what John is telling us. Where does it come from? Love is from God. It's the expression of who he is. John 3.16. So the John who said Newcomb is the guy who's now trying to convince us we should be loving each other. What happened in his life that he could move from that kind of racial hatred to now going, there's neither Jew nor Greek. We've got to love on each other. We've got to care for each other. We've got to support each other. We've got to work with each other somehow through the hardships. Love has an originator. John 3.16, I wonder who jotted that down for us. Same guy who said Newcomb, kill them all. For God so loved that he gave his only begotten son. Love has an originator, which suggests to me that it might be something outside of me that I need to find a way to get in me so that I can be different from the way my natural tendencies might be. And for all of you who have been raised in loving, caring, huggy families, your experience is way different than all those who didn't live there. I have a granddaughter who is um, uh, in a relationship with a family that they don't hug, they don't express love, they don't have much contact, and she grew up in a family that they've been hugging from the moment they got out of the womb and sort of into the family group. And so their experience is dramatically different. One has experienced love enough so that they can express love. But if you've never been loved deeply, it's hard to express it because love is something that has an originator that has to find its way, I believe, into my life. This is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only son, into the world that we might live through him. You see how this, there's this difference, there's this originator, and so, yeah, okay, so he, it's, he's got it, but now how does he demonstrate that to us? Well, the only way that could conceivably have enough impact was for that love to be embodied in a human body and be expressed in the life that Jesus lived and demonstrated such a difference. Because then people could actually maybe believe it. That maybe this is true. So, this is love. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for sins. This great love in. Love has an originator and love has a demonstrator. Um, The translation about this atoning sacrifice is one of those big Greek words, um, helasmus, which is the propitiation that some of the translators will use. It means to appease, to render favorable. Jesus' sacrifice 
fully satisfies the demands of the broken law. And that's what was happening for us, that God was paying a price that we could not pay to demonstrate love for us so that when it's hard for us to love, he can be part of us and allow that love to be freely expressed. Love among Christians demonstrates love for God and love from God. For God's very nature is love and the demonstration of love. Jesus Christ sent from God the Father embodied love and demonstrated it in his life on earth and while the Holy Spirit produces love as his spirit in our, as, as his fruit in our lives. It was demonstrated and now it gets manifest, produced in us. That's the transformational thing. And yet we're so hesitant to change. Like if we really think about it, nobody really wants to do the hard work to change. If you really wanted to do the hard work, you would find amazing things happening. But it comes because we're struck by the depth of someone else's love. I asked the team to sing uh, How Deep the Father's Love for Us. When I first heard it, I thought it was a super old, old, old hymn, right? Because it has that hymn style and structure and, and easeability for singing. And, and the depth of the message was just profound. And then I found out it was written in 2002, which for some of you might near, be near your birth age. I don't know. Um, and so I found this when I did some research um, about this. Um, uh, Stuart says, I was struck by what it cost the father. I was struck by what it cost the father. How deep the father's love for us, how vast beyond all measure that he should give his only son to make a wretch his treasure. How profound. So I'm grateful that you sang it. I loved hearing you sing and, and worship together. And so John continues, dear friends, since God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. It's great having it coming this way. It's tough going this way. No one has ever seen God, but if we love one another, God lives in us and his love is made complete in us. Love has an originator, it has a demonstrator in Jesus, and it has an inhabitor. I don't even know if that's a word. You know, I, somebody who's really good in English, don't tell me now. I don't want to be embarrassed. But, um, like, it has an inhabitor. I just need its R's at the end. That's the old school preacher in me. Um, this whole idea, no one has seen God to, to behold, look upon, view attentively, contemplate. No, is that, no one has ever seen his character, essence, or nature, deity in its essence, no one has ever seen, but we have seen its demonstration. And how would the world see its demonstration? By love being expressed through us. It dwells or lives, uh, the term is from Menno, one person dwelling in the house of another. Speaks of fellowship between two individuals. The Holy Spirit indwells us. I really believe the only transformational power in the ability to express love even as God has expressed it is only possible as we trust the Holy Spirit who indwells believers. That's the transformational power that could make it possible for us to love people who are stinking unlovely. 
Like their behavior, their attitudes, they're just irritating. But none of you would be that. And I'm sure you don't know anybody, so maybe it's a bad illustration. Right? But how, how is it possible that a Jew could love a Samaritan? Or a Samaritan could love a Jew? Or that Christians could love the persecutors? This is how we know we live in him and he in us. He has given us his spirit and we have seen and testified that the father has sent his son to be the savior of the world. If anyone acknowledges that Jesus is the son of God, God lives in them and they in God. And so we know and rely on the love God has for us. I can't love like I'm called to in my own strength, neither can you. Love has an... um, Uh, Love has an originator, a demonstrator, an inhabitor, and here's the key. Love is spoken. Um, There's a great song by Zach Williams where it talks about um, uh, uh, this guy who had never told his father that he loved him. And uh, uh, his father had never really told him that he loved him. And this whole challenge, since that's maybe the life that you've had. And you need a heavenly father that demonstrated how much you are loved. And now we get a chance to share that with the world. Love is spoken, acknowledged, or demonstrated. We confess, meaning we speak the same thing. Confessing the deity of Christ implies surrender and obedience, not mere lip service. Made complete or made perfect, the sense that the love of which is God's nature is being produced in us. Nothing to be ashamed of, nothing to hide on the judgment day, because God is love. Whoever lives in love lives in God and God in them. So for the note takers, here's the summary. Love as an originator, a demonstrator, an inhabitor, and love is spoken. It's lived out. And that's the hard part. This love in, uh, his love awakens within us an answering love, a grateful love, and manifesting itself in love to the brethren. The one who is constantly loving God should constantly be loving his brother. A person that does not love Christians has never known the God Christians love. It's quite an indicting statement. It's like, so how well are you doing in loving the other students? That staff member who drives you cycle, right? The administrators that are always wanting all these details taken care of and all these forms and it's like, how well are you doing? Are you loving well? The God Christians love is the God who invites us to live out that love for others. This is a very simple statement. It's not how much scripture you know, it's how much scripture you live. Is love spoken into your world? On June 8th, uh, 1972, a napalm bomb was dropped on a village in Vietnam. This picture was captured uh, just by one of the reporters as these children were fleeing. And the girl that's naked, her name is Kim Phuc. She, her whole body was burned from this atrocious weapon, atrocious weapon, devastating and changing her life forever. They rescued her, they got her medical care, and today Kim Phuc speaks about the transformational power of the gospel of Jesus Christ that turned her from being a potentially bitter, revengeful, hate-filled individual. Because in that process, 
missionaries cared for her, and she got introduced to the love of God in the midst of all of that atrocity. The gospel lived out genuinely has the ability to transform lives. My life, your life, your community, your country, the world. It's a message that's lost because of the atrocities of man's treatment to one another. So where does love come from? Where does it come from? If the love of God could change the life of a racist like John, it has the power to change your life and mine and to more fully demonstrate God's accepting and forgiving love to the world. But it isn't easy. My love for my family was enough for me to eventually change my life so I could have more life with them. What will love do in your life that needs to be changed so that God might use you more effectively, more fully, more completely? Where's the journey that God is going to take you through and on because of your realization of how much it cost the Father for you to be here today? Oh yeah, you got school fees and cost to be here and things like that. But you have not yet resisted sin to the point of shedding blood for the kingdom. And so I want to encourage you, be good lovers. Love well.